Welcome to the Sticker Stories Podcast, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thanks for your continued support. In this podcast, we interview our customers to hear their founder stories. We talk business, marketing, and of course, stickers and labels. Sticker Giant is the fastest way to print high-quality stickers and labels for your business or organization. We offer one to two-day turnaround on a wide variety of sticker and label products, and we offer custom shapes at no extra charge. We will even set up your artwork so it's ready to print. Once again, you can find us at StickerGiant.com. We're also available by email, live chat, or on the phone. So just get in touch if you have any questions, and our customer success team will be happy to help you out. This week, we sat down with Matt Alexander from Georgia Boys Barbecue Company. Matt is one of the co-founders of the restaurant group based here in Colorado. He tells the story of how he and his partner started the business after being laid off during the 2010 recession and how they grew from a low-key catering service to having two locations and a third one coming soon. So without further ado, here's our interview with Matt from Georgia Boys Barbecue. Welcome back, folks, to the Sticker Story podcast. Today we have a very special guest in our new studio. Um, we've got Matt from Georgia Boys Barbecue. Um, we're going to chat a little bit with Matt about what it's like um, running the business here in Longmont. Hamish? Well, Matt, why don't you uh, go right ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Georgia Boys. Yes, yeah, so I'm Matt Alexander, one of the uh, co-founders of Georgia Boys Barbecue. Uh, we started up about seven years ago here in Longmont and used to be in a little old shack that a lot of people have been to, but we just recently moved to a new location right across the street. So excited about the future and excited to be here. Awesome. I know uh, we shot a video with you guys a couple weeks ago. That's on um, our social media channels if anybody wants to see a little bit more about it. But I remember when we, we talked then, you uh, said it all started when you got kind of laid off in, in 2010. Why don't you tell us how you went from losing your job to kind of uh, starting your dream restaurant? Yeah, so funny story. Um, December 2010, I got laid off from my uh, corporate job with U.S. Food Service right right in the heart of the recession back then. And at the time, I was living with my uh, my business partner now, Nick Reckinger, and uh, told him I got laid off. A week later, he comes home, and he's like, man, I got laid off too. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And so there we were, December, epic ski year, already had our passes, um, no job. There wasn't a lot of jobs out there at that point. So we were like, what are we going to do? And uh, one of the ideas we had was let's let's cook some barbecue. So we, we literally went to the grocery store, bought two pork butts and some spices to make a rub and some ingredients to make a sauce. I think we had about 75 bucks to our name and uh, cooked up two pork butts and, and literally made them into about 30 sandwiches and took them around Boulder and just showed up at businesses and asked if they wanted to buy a sandwich for five bucks. Most most of them kind of turned their nose, but we'd open up the bag, they'd smell it, one or two would bite. And before we knew it, we, we had quite a few uh, businesses that we'd show up to. So like you were saying, you were um, 
you're operating sort of under the radar a little bit um, without a, uh, a food service license. You're showing up at businesses, trying to get the word out there um, and and build a community around around your barbecue. Um, what? How do you go then from transitioning from the um, the house and having everything with your uh, business partner? You are still living together throughout this whole time. Uh, actually, at one point we. Uh Actually, when we started, we both had two apartments, um, but we were so broke, we ended up moving in together. Um, so at, at one point, we were literally cooking out of both spots because we needed both sto- stoves and, and the ovens and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fun. We were broke skiing a lot. Yeah, I was going to ask my other question was, how much skiing were you doing? <laughs> I had 60 days that year. Is, so is that, good? is that good? That's pretty that's, good. Okay. That's I mean, pretty I mean, it seemed yeah. like there's 52 weeks in a year. So the weekend wise, that's at least every weekend. Good. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't miss a powder day that year. That's good. So it was a good year. It's, uh, a, it's a real lifestyle business right there. It's always interesting how stuff like that kind of it, evolves into where you are now. And that's why we ended up out here in Colorado anyways is we, we actually were fraternity brothers um, back in Georgia is how we met um, at, at the University of Georgia no, or where were you to going to school no uh, we went to West Georgia big big UGA fans but neither but one of us Georgia boys so is that kind of where like the Georgia boys oh yeah okay. yeah we were born in Ray well I was neither one of us were born in Georgia but we were raised for 20 years down there so that's kind of our our home Um, still have family and friends down there both of us so it's uh, that's where we met and Nick ended up out here because he was trying to make a go in in the solar industry Um, I actually transferred from my corporate job to Boulder Colorado and he was already here so that's kind of how we ended up out here together and skiing it up and we had some corporate jobs but those as i said earlier those were those were gone back in december so let's uh let's talk about the original shack so we we touched on uh yeah the the black market barbecue and and needing to get a food service license is that what kind of spurred you you know if we're going to get the license we should get a a real venue as well yeah kind of i mean we were so broke we didn't have any money trying to get a, a loan for a restaurant is is almost nearly impossible especially if you've you know your startup restaurant so we didn't have any money so we kept toying with the idea of getting a food truck because that was when food trucks were starting to get a little hot but with the food truck you still need a commissary kitchen so we searched georgia or not georgia but searched all over boulder uh, longmont lafayette couldn't really find the right fit and then also definitely couldn't afford an actual food truck when we started really looking into it so we were getting a bit desperate at that point i think it was around may um we were searching craigslist ads looking all over the place and luckily my brother found an ad in craigslist for this little uh, commercial kitchen it used to be a uh, just a catering company all they did was weddings out of there so they had already converted the house to a kitchen and they were looking to get out and um, looking for someone to to rent it so we ended up finding the shack is what we call it now i mean it's it's literally a 110 year old house converted over to a, just a little tiny tiny restaurant i mean we didn't even have a table when we first started um, it was all takeout at the first day so it's kind of how we found it 
it was cheap. It came with all the pots, the pans, the stoves. So all we had to do was buy a smoker. Um, and that's, I mean, we, we literally, we didn't even have a cash register the first day we opened. We were <laughs> working out of a cash box from Office Depot. Um, so it was, it was pretty, pretty fun ride for us. So that is interesting because then, so how you've grown the business, you have two locations, you still have the shack. Obviously the shack was really popular. Um, I used to, we go there all the time, you know, and sit outside and, um, you know, you could get it delivered over to Wibby too. I mean, you, you know, y'all got yourselves, you know, into, into places around town very well. Um, how did it, for y'all to, to sort of finance in the business, you say you didn't get a loan. So then what do you do? Like, how do you then go from the cash box to running a more sophisticated business and of course scaling it the way you have so we we were pretty fortunate i mean we we had a front page article in the local newspaper the day we opened so the moment we opened the doors we literally had a line out to the curb um and actually even sold out of everything we made that day in about two hours and kind of high-fived each other put the put more meat on for the next day the same thing happened so it, it was just one of those we got really really lucky um you know a lot of things fell into place for us people were really loving the product as well and so people kept coming back and and you know we thought we were gonna have four or five employees um, me nick my brother and a couple other guys and and that's what we started with and quickly realized that we were going to need to hire some more people and so it went from you know thinking we were going to have that many employees to grow into about 20 in the first year um, we almost hit a million dollars our first year which was huge um, and we just kept rolling the money back into the business. Uh, Nick and I didn't even take paychecks for the first couple of winters, um, just living off the business, basically. I remember our first day that we hit a thousand bucks in a day. We celebrated, went to Texas Roadhouse and blew a hundred bucks and then quickly realized that we blew all of our profit from the whole day. So it, it grew pretty quick. I mean, that first year we were kind of busting at the seams at the shack. If anybody's been there, it's literally 1,100 square feet. It's the whole thing. So um, we, we needed to grow pretty quick and got lucky. Uh, about three years later, uh, a friend approached us with an opportunity out in Frederick. And so we, you know, scrapped together what money we could at that point and, and did a lot of work ourselves on the building to kind of uh, revitalize that building and, and change it from a, the previous restaurant and open the doors January 2014 in Frederick. And so from there, it's, it just keeps growing. Um, you, got a lot of weight on our shoulders these days because right because so the frederick location allowed you to then open the one in longmont or tell us a little bit about the story of opening the longmont business yeah so longmont the shack was the first one um and actually what happened when we when we were bursting at the seams at the shack we needed some more kitchen space to keep up with the demand and the uh, FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, has a, a big location here in Longmont, and they have a um, basically a cafe for the employees. And they actually approached us just because there was a bunch of guys working there that came down all the time, and they had an opening in that contract and offered it to us. And so we actually, that was sort of our second location we called it under the radar because you literally had to have a you know full background check just to get into the place um but we uh 
we opened up over there and it was a huge commercial kitchen. So for a while we were producing a lot of our food there and then delivering it to the shack. Um, so we did that for a couple of years and um, even started delivering that food out to Frederick. And luckily we had a, had a good couple of years here and uh, built up enough money to look for a new building. And that's what we did last year. We, we kind of went on a, a year long search around Longmont. And funniest thing about it is we ended up finding a spot right across the street from the old shack, um, the old hour center. They were looking to move into a new building and it was for sale. So we were able to buy the building and did a year long renovation that about killed us. Um, but we finally got in September of last year, which was pretty exciting. So, and at that point we, we decided to move out of the FAA cause we finally had enough kitchen space to sustain ourselves. So yeah, definitely from, from looking around the long one location, you guys have got a pretty serious setup in the back there. It's uh, cool to see. Um, I, and how do you manage that? I know, you, so you went from, you know, the shack to a, an outside kitchen to a location in Frederick. How do you kind of go about, you know, moving to a new location? Frederick, you know, it's a different town. You maybe don't have the following. Um, you got that instant success in, in Longmont with the original shack, and it seems like it almost markets it itself. Um, how did you, yeah, go about kind of shifting to a new town and, and getting people over there interested? Well, at first, I mean, we, we were always learning as we go. I mean, that's kind of been how we've how we've been doing it from the beginning but the frederick location is this giant location seats about 250 people we've got two patios two dining rooms so it was it was a bit of a monster when we first took it on and we even thought we were going to do all these other menus I, i remember we had steaks and shrimp and burgers and all kinds of stuff and quickly realized that we probably should just stick to what we're really good at um being barbecue and so we opened up and we had great success out there in Frederick. Frederick's a pretty small town with not a lot of competition. Um, and we were like the only big family restaurant in town. Um, so uh, luckily there's, there's plenty of people that live out there. You know, the Firestone, Frederick, DeCono. Um, there's a ton of people that live there, but just not a lot of restaurants yet. And so we've had pretty good success, actually. Frederick's our busiest store of the two and um, got almost 60 employees there right now so it took off pretty quick it was a a little rocky here and there but you know we we adapted and made changes where we needed to and yeah, I, that sounds like a, a valuable lesson to anybody, I guess, is know your know your market and, and find something where there's a need. Uh, it sounds like you guys fulfilled a, a need in Frederick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, our, our growth plan, because we do plan to continue to open stores, is is to look for those markets that are in need of, of restaurants. You know, we're not really looking to go to Boulder because there's a million restaurants already there. So we're, we're looking for those, those smaller markets. Windsor's kind of on our mind right now. We've been looking at Loveland, although Loveland's growing pretty quick. So we might be a little bit behind trying to get in there. Huh. Interesting. That's kind of the way, like, just that's the front range sort of in general, right? You know, just there's still little pockets, but um, trying to, you know, find them and, and grow in there is important um, for those communities too. So your finances have obviously changed a lot, you know, like you're talking about the cash box, right? So now you're like paying out 60 people at one place. And we do want to grow to multiple locations. So it's been, it's been tough, but it's been fun. We got a great, great crew with us. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a great point right there that uh, like great customer service is um, like great marketing. You know, you treat your customers right, people tell their friends, everybody comes back. And I think it's one of those things as well that if you have a culture of great customer service in the business, all your employees treat each other with respect because, you know, you deliver great service to customers, you kind of deliver great service to one another as well. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, for marketing, we've never really done a lot of paid advertising. It's always kind of been word of mouth. We do a lot of festivals. I mean, I mean, the stickers come into play for sure. We have fun with those. Um, you know, they pop up all over the place. You see them in ski resorts, on the poles, random signs. It's it's pretty cool to see them popping up all over. So we still feel like we've got a bit of that cult following, even though we've we've really grown into a much larger you know, restaurant and organization than we were in the beginning, but. And I think you you touched on it just before when you, you know, you said you're gonna stick to barbecue. Um, Something we definitely talk about a lot here at Sticker Giant is the hedgehog concept of, you know, stick to what you're good at and do it very well. Um, And then people get to know you for that and you're not expending energy trying to do something different that you're not necessarily an expert in. Yeah, exactly. We're even, uh, we're playing around with some new things. our, our latest thing, we've been starting to do some house brine pastrami with the brisket and we're doing some uh, house brine pork bellies and starting to create some new specials and may find they may find their way on the permanent menu pretty soon. So it's kind of sticking to what we're good with. I mean, we're great at uh, smoking all different types of meats and then also really pride ourselves on all the sides because every one of our sides, sauces and rubs are all homemade. We don't We don't bring in anything pre-made and and just fry it and sell it so put a lot of love into it yeah that's a a great segue to to the labels i guess you know all of your your jars of sources uh are there labeled up they're visible in the, the shop as well they're a great visual asset as well as um you know something for customers to to take away and cook at home with yeah yeah we we actually do pretty good with retail we've always tried to have shirts, hats, stickers, jars, all, you know, just all kinds of different things for customers to get. And um, it's it's so awesome to see when you just out out in the public and see a random person with, you know, representing some Georgia boys, either a hat or shirt. It's a, it's a good feeling. But that, that's been a big, big uh, way that we've kind of marketed the business is, is getting it out there. So, so what's, what's next? Next is uh, location three. Um, we're, we're hoping to to get into one sometime in the next year. So going to grind away this year and try to build the cash back up because we definitely emptied the bank accounts trying to get into that Longmont location. Um, so hoping to have a great year. Um, 2018 summers are is our super busy time. So um, kind of excited to be getting out of the winter. A um, little sad about ski season kind of coming to an end soon. But, you know, it's it's exciting to get into summer. It's festival time. We do tons of festivals around um, lots of caterings, weddings, all kinds of stuff. So it's about to get busy. Yeah, that's maybe something we didn't talk as much about was the catering side of things. And again, do you rely on the restaurants as the the marketing for that catering? You know, you're just getting inquiries and from people who want you to cater events. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we uh, we have an online um, form that people can fill out if they're interested in catering. So we've got a catering manager at both locations. So we 
it's a huge part of our business. It kind of carries the restaurant. You know, we get a lot of caterings in the summer and then around the holiday season, we get a lot of caterings too. We do turkeys and take and bake casseroles for Thanksgiving and smoked hams for Christmas. So um, catering is a huge part. It, it kind of carries carries you through the slow times. And then in the summer, it just it, it's hard to keep up with sometimes. In fact, taking it back all the way to our first first year um, Memorial Day of 2012, we uh, we accidentally booked ourselves too much catering and did not have the smoker capacity. So like three days before this, Nick realized what was going on and we drove out to Kansas City in an old Explorer and bought a bought a smoker from a guy and Nick Nick brought it back. With That's this. awesome. Oh man. <laughs> if only you could see the pictures. We tore up the transmission on this on the uh, the Explorer. We call it the Exploder now. But uh I mean, we, we pulled the smoker back a day before all these caterings, fired it up, and, you know, by the skin of our teeth, got got all the meat cooked. And that's that's kind of how we rolled in the very beginning. I mean, we, we were running out of everything. Cooler space, I remember probably the same year, we had to bring an 18-wheeler refrigerated truck in and just park it in the driveway just so we had enough cooler space to store all the meat. And so just making things happen. Um, I was going to ask if you have any uh, sort of top tips for anybody maybe getting started in the the restaurant business, but uh, maybe the top one would be, you know, just wing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know if wing it is the the best term, but, you know, like... Only a chicken business can say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I mean, you guys are much more organized than that. But, yeah, I guess knowing that, you, you know, your best laid plans... Are always going to be subject to change. Yeah, and I would definitely say, you know, like so many of these restaurants these days will take out a million dollar loan. I don't even know where where they're getting the money to do it, but you know, we we uh, never really had a big debt load ever. I mean, we had fifteen thousand dollars of debt to start the business, so kind of bootstrapped it the whole way through. Um, and just put money back into the business and grew organically versus trying to hit a home run right out of the gate. So, you know, restaurants, I don't know the actual statistics right now, but there is a really high failure rate for restaurants. And really, they, they say you haven't made it until you make it past five years. And luckily, we hit that goal a couple of years ago. Still chugging along, but it's it's not the easiest business. I would not suggest uh, opening a restaurant if if you're not, you know, if you're not ready for a lot of work and a, a lot of headache, and but it, it's fun though. It's kind of restaurants are the heart of the community, so that's that's what the payoff is. I think is just being so involved in the community, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I guess there's two great tips there: start small and build a community. Yep, and have really good food. That's of course. It's yeah. usually that important. <laughs> I've eaten a Georgia boy. So uh, that's me too. Down, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, you, you've talked a lot about those challenges early on. Um, uh, what are the challenges now for for y'all? Now we're kind of getting to that point where, it, again, we we don't want to be corporate, but we're getting so big that we're realizing that we need some good systems um, so that, you know, if Nick or I are not there, we can pass kind of our knowledge on to, to the 
you know, managers and the frontline crew that are, that are running the restaurants. And so systems are a huge thing, you know, creating that operation, operational manual, um, is important and it's not easy either. Um, just getting standard operating procedures for everything, you know, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds because so much of this is just instinct for us. But when you're trying to teach somebody new and, and kind of pass on that knowledge of everything, it's, it's a bit tough. So that's kind of the, that's the plan now. We're is, in the middle of doing that right now ourselves, <laughs> right? Like so, just yeah. one of our large quarterly projects here, we, you know, we're, creating a, a different management structure here at Sticker Giant um, in the last year or so, and we're literally due today are those things for us, right? I mean, it, we have to create those as, as a team, too. So, I mean, that that's just a function of making it a more organized place to work. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not easy. It, it takes a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of effort, and, and that's what makes it hard, too, is just finding the time to, to spend on that kind of stuff and still run the restaurant. Um, at the same time. So yeah, it's super tough. I mean, from there, we're, uh, you know, we've, we've really tightened up on finances and tracking and all that. We've got, you know, better software that we can get daily, daily reports and then weekly P&Ls and our, <laughs> yep, that's, yeah. that's the name of the game. It sounds awfully familiar. It sounds very familiar. Oh yeah. Those first few years, you know, we had an accountant, she would give us our P&L for the previous month, but we didn't get it until a whole nother month later. Basically. Yeah. And yeah. so by that time, you know, like, oh crap, we lost a lot of money and it's way too late to make changes at that point. So and that, how does that affect you then as the business owner then? Just curious. I mean, you know, as a business owner, if you're not making money, then you're not taking a paycheck and, you know, hopefully you're not having to put more money into the business. We've been very fortunate to to never have to do that. Um, but we definitely went quite a few years with uh, minimal pay and no pay at times. So it, it's just part of it, but it's rewarding as well as long as you can as long as you can kind of make it through. Any last thoughts? I mean, I guess uh, trying to get some tips out for our listeners, yeah. you know, plan, plan for growth right. and yeah, be prepared to take on that workload on top of the day to day. It's uh, again, definitely something we experience here. You know, we're a uh, one to two day turnaround production facility. So everybody is working 100% of the time. And if we want to bring in new systems or train people or um, yeah, implement uh, improvements to the system, all of that, you know, goes on top of people's job. They do 100% of the time so yep, it, it's that. definitely a team effort and uh yeah interesting to to hear the parallels between uh the restaurant business and what we do yeah just the onboarding process we've really been working on that you know the the training procedures how we bring on new employees and kind of welcome them in but also explain the story the history the culture and and then get them on a training plan we've started using some some I don't even know what you call it. Or the most recent thing we're working with is a, a book and a test called Strength Finder. And it's yep. uh, yeah. so, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have used it, but it's basically, you know, focus on people's strengths and try to put your aces in the spots where they can do their best. And so we're getting a little bit more sophisticated um, in, in doing that. You know, the old uh, f focus on your weakness and try to get better. 
uh, doesn't necessarily work so great. It's it's really focus on your strengths and put people where they're best. So nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Of course, for folks who are in the area, head on down uh, downtown Longmont. You'll find Georgia Boys, um, and of course, you could get it to go. And what festivals? So going in the next few months here, what what when you say festivals, where can people find you outside of town? So we always participate in uh, Left Hand Breweries festivals. They're as you know huge brewery right here in our town um but they throw some pretty epic and awesome festivals the the one upcoming is hops and handrails and they if you've never been to it it's pretty exciting they literally truck down truckloads of snow from the mountains and build this giant ramp and bring in all these pro snowboarders and they basically huck down this ramp and hit rails and it's big huge beer fest so it's they're always fun we do those and we do some other just local ones uh, the Niwat does a, a summer series longmont does a summer concert series so usually that's i mean it, it, you'll find us if it's a local festival Thanks for joining us, Matt. Heck yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks very much. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to the Sticker Stories podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the pod, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. Thanks for listening. And remember, every sticker has a story. What's yours? <laughs>